0: place for transformational tools to get inspired and stay inspired so that together we can build a kinder world. My name is Azriella Djankovic and I am your host. Today is Friday, March 27th, 2020. Over the past two weeks, our episodes have been geared toward this particular the current events that we're going through, and really providing you with tools to deal with the effects of the coronavirus era that we're currently in. Our recent episodes with Dr. Andrew David Schiller, and with Hannah Mason, and with David G., and with Mindful skater Girl, Shelley have been focusing on the mindset components of this era and really keeping our minds well, what we can do to stay calm, stay collected, stay resilient, and we focused on all sorts of different tools. So I definitely recommend that you go back and check out those if you haven't heard them yet and take what works for you. You know, I've heard from all kinds of people all over the world about these episodes and one of my listeners shared with me that she found several things to be helpful and that several things worked for her. And I said, you know what? That is why we're here. That's ultimately what this is all about. Last night I spoke with my friend Jen Edwards and we were on Facebook Live. You can hop over to my personal Facebook, Azriela Jankovic, and have a listen to that. She survived a trauma. She was actually in the infamous Santa Monica farmer's market car accident years back when an old man drove at 60 miles an hour straight into a farmer's market and she suffered severe PTSD from that. And that was 17 years ago now, but she's been on this healing journey and she's learned so much and she's gained so many transformational tools. And when I heard her speaking about it, it, it it seemed to me so relevant to hear from her and to really to hear from someone who's been through something so frightening and she's prevailed. And you know what she said? The very first thing that she says on the live is that You've been through hard things. Each one of us have been through hard things and we have prevailed. And just to be present with that and remember that and to bring that with us. So I really love that advice. And again, hop over to my personal page. I'm Until I'm at 5,000 friends, I'm gonna keep posting on my personal page and I'll keep you all updated. I have a business page there too. And I also have my group circle of insight. I've been getting a lot of requests from you. And it's a place to connect, a place for all all of you. Everyone who wants to be there is welcome. Speaking of welcome, my friends, I saw the most incredible thing last night. I took part in something called Praying Together in Jerusalem. And I've been a part of this group for the last year or so, but I'm never able to attend their events because they're like in, in the early afternoon when I'm home with my kids and I live about 30 minutes from Jerusalem. So what was so incredible about last night was that they did it online. And because they did it online, they had religious leaders from all four major world religions on there. It was just so incredible. They had the head rabbi of Poland. They had a the Grand Mufti of Bosnia. They had a, a reverend in the States. They had a Hindu leader in India and what they had to say was so optimistic in the sense that each of these leaders really believe that now is the time for compassion and now is the time for us to reach out to those who are suffering and there are always people who are suffering but right now we're sharing this experience and actually the Mufti said something he said that right now we're realizing how connected we are. But right now we're connected in fear. And he said, this is the time to transform. And now is the time to connect in love rather than fear. And to use the technology that we have to recognize that we are not different. We are the same. We have have what makes us unique, but we share a common human experience. And we all go through so many of the same emotional experiences. And this is a time to get to know each other and to use the resources at our fingertips and to connect in love. So I found his message to be beautiful. The rabbi also shared, you know, call older people, call people who are isolated, reach out to those who are alone. And I thought that was a really beautiful message. I heard from a listener the other day from Australia. She actually reached out to me. I always tell you to reach out to me and, and I love it when you do. So, she reached out to me and she told me that she has a daughter in Jerusalem who is about to have a baby and she thought her daughter was really having a hard time and she asked if I could reach out to the daughter and I did. And you know, the daughter sounded pretty good. But what was so clear to me was how difficult and challenging it was for this mom to be so far away from her daughter at this time. And it was just such a beautiful act of love that she reached out to me and I think that if we can really stay stay connected and keep reaching out and keep building bridges. We are going to connect in ways that we've really never connected before. So with that said, I want to introduce my guest today. And my guest and I scheduled this interview long before the (laughs) coronavirus was even on the on the map. It wasn't even in the media. It was really confined to China and um, we just had no idea what was coming. But my guest is so special. He is a fan of the show and he actually offered to sponsor this show, which was so kind and generous. And when we started planning for this actual episode and, and the timing came to the forefront, what I realized is that my guest today has a lot of advice to share that is really timely. And it's, it's different than the advice that you've been hearing in the past few shows in the sense that he's not a mental health professional, but my guest, Peter Yawitz, is a consultant. He's a communication consultant. He calls himself someone else's dad. And he just wrote a book, it's called Fish, Flops, and Microwave Fish, Navigating the Do's and Don'ts of Workplace Culture. And it is a guide for young professionals for the workplace culture and communications. It's funny, it's practical, and it offers advice on understanding and managing life at work. It's for people from all countries and cultures, and it's really for anyone who's not sure how they come across at work. So I would recommend from my understanding of the book and everything that Peter speaks about in our interview, I would recommend this for the young millennials and the Gen Z, and I also recommend it for those who are hiring young millennials and Gen Z and anyone who's trying to connect to other people in the workplace and really have better communication. That's what Peter's work is all about, and that's what he helps people do. So Peter is a consultant, and he helps companies improve their financial performance, be more productive and efficient, create better employees and customer experiences. And he was really a pleasure to speak with. And our conversation really ranges the gamut. But what I want to say is that I think his advice is so relevant for you if you're still in the workplace, in the physical workplace, but also if you're trying to build bridges of communication in this new online experience. So much of our work has shifted to the internet. So that's something that he and I explore. And I also want to say for anyone who right now has been laid off or if you're out of work or if your job is shifting. I know that's a lot of people right now. The numbers are really up there, but this is going to shift. This is going to change and I think this is really just moving us forward in a lot of different ways and it's a hard time for a lot of you, but If I can say anything about this episode, it's to stay hopeful and imagine that job interview that's coming and it could be happening for you on Zoom. It's maybe not something that you ever imagined yourself doing and having a job interview on Zoom or finding an opportunity for yourself to work online on Zoom and, and really upping your level of communication in order to make the most of this opportunity. Thank you so much for being here check back in. Toward the end of the show, I'm going to be sharing with you some exciting news on within us. So definitely check in when my conversation with Peter is finished. And with nothing further, it was really a delight to speak with Peter. And I'm so happy to share our talk with you.
1: I have been a communication consultant for many, many years. And have worked for a variety of companies, and oftentimes when there is any kind of dysfunction, it usually comes down to some problems of communication. I mean, I, you can't. It, it could be a behavioral issue, meaning that you get some nasty boss or some poor management. But along with that, people are usually upset because people have been communicated to in a in a rotten way, or they're not communicated with in the right way, and. I just don't know why people can't sit down to iron things out better than they do. And so I, you know, that's my whole career has been on communication. So I wrote my book, really helping young people understand what they're going to confront when they start their first jobs, but also to help senior people recognize where the problems can arise. What is the orientation of someone who's just starting and what they need and how anyone can really help a junior person out.
0: So this is really interesting when we start talking about the multiple generations in the workplace, and I'm curious if you could characterize for us a little bit about each of those segments and what are their unique characteristics?
1: I love talking about generational differences because right now, because people are living longer, we've got four distinct generations working in the workplace. And actually you could extend that to five if you consider people like my mother who's who's 87 and still likes to go to work. But one thing I don't like to do is to characterize a generation by specific characteristics because people are different. You know, I could be I'm different from a lot of people in my generation so I don't want to characterize that. However, there are generational differences in terms of how we were brought up, how we like to do things and how we accomplish tasks. And I think the, the issue that people have had over the past couple of years with the younger generation is they might embrace the fact that they are digital natives. They know more about technology than the older generation does. But along with that, the complaint I hear a lot is, oh, well, they're, they, they're so entitled they want so much. They really want to have everything they want and happiness along with work. And, and I actually, you know, I sit around with my friends. We went to a, a New Year's party with very close friends and people in all sorts of different careers were talking about that. I had doctors, I had journalists, and they were saying, oh, they just want titles. They want this. They don't want to put in the hard work. So I try to interrupt a little bit, but they were so <laughs> so negative about things. And I love these people. They're my closest friends. However, I I have to take it from both sides. I understand from our perspective, we're seniors, we want people to go through the same process that we did to get where they where, where they are. But my generation, and I'm I'm a real right in the middle baby boomer, we kind of were assigned tasks and did what we were told and didn't really ask why we were doing that. And because of a variety of issues, the younger people feel, they want to feel that they're part of something. And Part of our responsibility as older people to manage them is to say, okay, you want to be part of something. Let me explain why we're doing this and why it's so important and why you have to work hard. And I think that benefits everybody. It makes the junior people feel that they're a part of something, but it also motivates the younger people. So I, I am, I just want to say to my older friends, if you tell them that there's something that we all share, then you're going to get more productivity out of them too. So it's it's uh, those are the issues that I'm finding most with older people versus younger people in the workplace, and I don't want to blab on here. I hate when I'm just having this one long monologue. But it's, I've it's
0: it it makes a lot of sense what you're saying, and in thinking about what's happened in the world over the past several decades since your generation, perhaps the baby boomers were first coming into the workplace, and as you explain that the that your generation wouldn't ask questions in the same way the access to information that young people have today is unprecedented so it really resonates for me and it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah and another thing i mean i i it's easy for the older generation to say well i blame social media but part of it is as much as i don't necessarily enjoy social media that's just me I know that it's a major part of a younger person's life and the negatives I find is there's a little bit too much of the FOMO when young people see what other people are doing and they think, wow, look at the amazing job this person has, or look how involved this person is, or look, they have all these stock options or they're employee number three and I'm in a traditional type of company where I'm just told what to do. All right, that can make you feel a little less important. I, I, and I talked to my son yesterday about something. He's 30 and I said, Oh, did you remember these people? And I mentioned uh, some siblings and he said, Oh yeah, this one does that you, that one does that. I have no interest in talking to them. They make me feel like a loser. And of course that was a, a little bit, it was funny about that. You know, he, he says that, but I think there's a lot to that, that because of social media, because of any kind of sharing, you're automatically going to feel someone else is gonna, is doing better than I can. Whereas a lot of people are not, don't really care. I don't think they judge people like, oh, you have a job at a traditional company. Well, then again, I'm an artist selling paintings on the street and I've made a name for myself and I have a great social media presence. That doesn't make me better or in any way.
0: A hundred percent. It's it's so true that everyone's lives are out on display and I like to look at it as a photo album and and that we used to have to go to someone's home to see their photo albums. But now yeah. the best of the best is on display all the time. And I think it really can have an impact on our mental health even if we, if we let it.
1: Yeah, I did a a seminar at Tufts University, they had a day called the adulting day. And I was the keynote speaker. And I talked about social media. And these are seniors that I was dealing with. So a lot of their friends already had jobs. This was in January. And I, I would say just it was the day before school started. So a lot of people had come back and it was sponsored by career services. And they were just trying to figure out what their next steps were. And I just said, Okay, raise of hands here, who feels like a total loser? And everyone raised their hand just because they felt, oh my gosh, it's January of my senior year. I should have a job by now based on, I don't know what standard, but or based on what metric, but it made them feel terrible.
0: Wow, and you just tapped into that right away. Yeah, I just said,
1: well, I, I didn't say, <laughs> no, I know what I said, Ozzy was, yes, you are all losers. I'm here to confirm that for you. No, I didn't at all. I just wanted to let people know if you're spending too much time on social media or listening to other people without focusing on what you truly want, then you're going to compare yourself and you might feel like you're not up to par.
0: I think that it's especially true right now in terms of feeling useful and feeling helpful. I think everyone, yeah. Today is March 18th, 2020, as we speak, and we are living in unprecedented times. And I'm so curious to hear from you. I know you've just written this new book, and I'd love to hear what inspired you and how this book can be utilized and and who it's for, as well as how we can really upgrade our communication for the times that we're living in?
1: Well, I will say that a lot of the the reason that I wrote the book was uh, the thing we were talking about before, that we have multi-generations working in the same workplace. And I was getting questions from the older people, like my friends were saying, what do I do with these millennials? What do I do with these Gen Zs? And there's a big difference between Gen Z and millennials, the Gen Ys, because Gen Zs were pretty much brought up with, you know, they were you know, they grew up with a handheld device in their hand in utero almost. So it's a difference between my kids, who are really the end of the millennial generation, and the next generation, where they are the true people who always had a DVD player in their car, all, then always have the handheld devices and are just used to getting whatever they want when they want it. And then there are people, you know, for my generation and even older who have had to adapt. And I don't want, I don't say anything is bad. If you, you have to adapt to technology because if the good technology can only make you more efficient. I mean, look at today we're suffering through this horrible coronavirus and people are working from home. Thank goodness that people can continue to work through through Zoom and through other other forms of video conferencing. So I got that, plus I, I got to, I do a lot of new hire orientation seminars at big companies. And the questions that I started to get over the years were a little bit out of the ordinary. It wasn't just like, how do I do an email or what tone do I, do I use when I'm saying this? And I still think those are very important. But people started asking me questions that were a little bit out there. Like, what do I do when I see I'm working with somebody who's totally hot? How do I handle that? And I just thought, well, you know, we're only human. This is something you have to learn how to compartmentalize a little bit better. So I just amassed a lot of these questions and I realized, my goodness, there's a lot of stuff that companies just don't naturally say. They say, this is where the coffee machine is. This is the compliance. These are the issues about diversity that you have to learn about. This is what's legal, what's not legal. This is how you might manage uh, your day. But no one really is talking about the I don't want to say just the soft skills because people think soft skills are like presentation skills and writing skills. But I, I think it's really how we have to get along and adapt to d- different cultures. And the other part that, I, that, I, that, I, that went into the book was I spent a lot of time over my career traveling working for branch offices of American companies. I spent a lot of time in South America, a lot of time in Asia and Europe where cultural differences can, can bring on miscommunication. And one of the big examples is a place like China or a place like Brazil, where they have very distinctive ways that people communicate within that country. Brazil is very open. People hug. People spend a lot of time socializing. And in China, I don't want to say that people don't do it as much, but, but the way they communicate is very much from the outside in, meaning I'm not going to get to my direct message. I am going to what we would say beat around the bush until the other person understands it. So I would get a lot of questions about what do the American people want from me? And the book came out of all these type of questions, so it has been doing very well and, and it 's been uh, the people call it the Work etiquette guide for the 21st century and i think that 's exactly what I wanted people to to think of it gives if you look through the table of contents, it really does gives you everything from what do I expect on my first day through dealing with difficult people through dealing with tone to the end, where I talk about this is something you should be interested in is how to quit gracefully. And it's that word gracefully that I, that I hold very dear to my, to my soul.
0: How to quit gracefully.
1: Yeah. It's the word grace. I brought this up at a, at a, at a speaking engagement that I did recently, and it really made the audience go silent in, in a good way <laughs> because I talk about grace and grace to me is, doesn't have to be religious at all. You can just take grace away from religion, but take it away for how you want to be treated by other people and how you should treat them. So in my book, and this 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 was actually this chapter was actually excerpted in medium.com, it really was how to quit gracefully. And the first thing I said, remember three words. The three words you should remember when you're going to quit are cash your check. And then I say, no, that's not really that. Yeah, you should cash your check. But the really... The big three words are don't burn bridges. And the if you just think about it, just if someone has to say, why should you not burn bridges, think of all the reasons why you would want to stay in touch with people or have them in not in your life, but let's just say in over LinkedIn 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what do you want people to say about you 20 years from now? Do you want them to say, oh, I couldn't stand that person. He just left abruptly. Or do you want them to say, very decent person, I wish him well. And why wouldn't you want people to say that about you? And why wouldn't I want that to say about other people? Why do we have to be caustic? Why do we have to all, I mean, there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. I mean, I live right smack in a country where we have people on opposite poles. And finding the common ground and realizing that, let's put everything aside for a minute and just say, 10 years from now, I'd like you to say you really appreciated having me in your life in whatever way that is.
0: I think it sounds like a really powerful question in our professional lives and in our personal lives to ask. What do I want people to say about me in 10 years, in 20 years from this moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen. I could say some people that I didn't that I disagreed with maybe ten years ago that I don't see them now. But why? I never want to wish anyone bad things. But if if I were had been treated in a certain way, I just like, oh, why do I have to have that memory? Why can't you just think ahead? Think ahead. One hundred How you want to be,
0: and you're really empowering people to do exactly that. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear from you, in terms of right now you brought up what's happening in the United States yes. and how there really is this polarization and we're also in a unique time frame and I'm curious if you want to speak to that in terms of how do we utilize communication skills are there communication skills that can come in into use now in order to empower us to, to deal with what we're ha- what's, what's happening
1: You know, Ozzy, I believe that if people spent more time asking and truly listening, we'd be in a better place. People ask me a lot on these podcasts, what's the first thing I would tell young people to think about when they start a job? And I always say, enhance your listening skills before you go in. Because even that answers that question, what do I do when someone's totally hot? Well, if you're gonna enhance your listening skills, you can ignore or move away from some distractions and focusing on the main message. And part of active listening is to ask appropriate questions, not dumb ones like, oh, what happened next? Because that could show I'm not really listening. But reflective type of questions. Oh, so in other words, what you told me when you, the reason you moved to Israel was that you were looking for an experience that you think would benefit you and your family, and it sounds like you've really found it. And this is a conversation that we had before the podcast, yes. but I hope I'm paraphrasing what you told me to so, OK, and I can understand you a little bit better. Now it doesn't mean I have to have that life, but why wouldn't I want to be exposed to learn how somebody else has lived? And, or I, I've, I have to say that this is going beyond what, what I was going to talk about in the podcast, but I'm open. It goes along with a lot of the things that I coach CEOs to do, which is to tell their stories. Tell me why you are motivated to do what you do or, or what happened in your life. Now, of course, no one has to go into nitty gritty, dirty secrets. But if I can understand you, how you see the world when you walk down the street, why is it different from how I see the world? Is it based on something in your childhood? Is it based on something that somebody said? Is it based on the struggles you had? I will definitely understand you better so I don't make a judgment about you, which would be unfair anyway. And the only way I can truly understand that or get to know that is if I ask. And if I'm a leader, I wanna be able to tell. Again, you have to have a line between what you do wanna tell, but I find that when you tell your stories, you engage people more people will understand why you why you do what you do why you're motivated to do what you do and how perhaps other people can be motivated the same way
0: that makes a lot of sense i love what you say about listening and listening not to whenever i think about listening it's listening not necessarily to respond right away i think especially in western culture there's a there's a certain pressure that we have to say something right away hmm or we have to have like a, a witty comeback. And it's a completely different process when we try to listen mindfully. We talk listening about mindfulness, mindfulness a lot on the show, and so yes. it makes a lot of sense I, in the business context that we'd be saying the same thing. So I'm curious by way of listening and getting to know one another and crossing these cultural bridges, generational bridges, are there any special methods or tools that you suggest to people in those different segments,
1: I think that if you are authentic all the time, your things will come naturally to you. But also, I like to empower people to be assertive and polite meaning people think oh if i ask too many questions i'm intrusive i'm aggressive i don't want to be there so just throw out the adjective i don't want to be aggressive take it out or i pass it who cares just say that you always want to be assertive and you want to be polite and and authentic i do sessions it's interesting with new hires and i have a whole session a section in the book about this um, and it can be a lot of fun in a session on small talk on small talk and, I, and i'll say you are the junior person on the team and you've been asked to escort your client from the elevator all the way to the conference room. And let's say it's like, we have to walk through a maze of places to get there. You are the first representation of the company. So go, talk to me, ask me questions. And you know, we can always ask about the weather, right? You can always ask the, the easy questions, but can you ask me a follow up that shows that you've listened to what I've said? can you think of something else to say to engage me in conversation and make me comfortable? And I do that. It's, it's really a lot of fun because when I, when I do these sessions for the young people, I'll ask them, what questions are you going to ask me? Okay. I'm just off the, I'm the client and I'm also going to be you. So you ask me the question, I'm going to answer it. And then I'll, I'll how was your, how's, how was your trip? It was fine. Okay. Now you got to ask me another question. You got to keep going. We can't just end it there. So sometimes people will We'll ask another question, then I'll change my personality and say it was the worst trip I ever had. And I have to, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to really say that, but the people have to respond to that. They're not going to say, okay, well, you want some coffee? <laughs> you should be engaged and have good follow-up questions to show that you will only go so far. I'm not going to say, oh my gosh, did you have a fight with your wife? You know, I, don't don't go there. If they do that, I'll back up and I'll say, okay, start again. We're back to zero. Start from how's the weather.
0: So this is like an improv activity to get <laughs> warmed up to. Work right. and right, that's right, that's right. I love because it, I'm ready really, to play.
1: Especially with the junior people, the junior people, the first thought of somebody is like, oh my gosh, I got the kid. Now, this is the, the client's mind, the client's mind. So you have a choice, you can just be the kid or you can be the professional. And how are you gonna be the professional? By engaging in the conversation so people don't think of you as the kid. Okay, you can't ignore the fact that, that you're young, but show me that you can represent the company in the right way. And everyone's going to benefit from that.
0: It makes a lot of sense in terms of also not drawing attention to our differences, but looking for where we can see eye to eye and what we can both discuss and engage in
1: Absolutely no matter so. where we're
0: coming from, any generation, any culture.
1: That's right. I mean, and, and you listen, if you blow it, if I went to visit you in Israel and I didn't know the customs of how people Greeted one another, and actually now things are changing here. You know, we're we're, I have to rewrite my book about shaking hands because nobody is shaking hands now in this country. And in South America, where people hug all the time, we got to adapt how the Japanese do it and just bow, so we don't have to touch. Things change. What I remember about really
0: graceful, actually, the bowing.
1: Yeah, it is very graceful. And when I work in Japan. I still am Western and, and they, of course, they know the Western way of doing things with shaking hands and they will automatically bow and I will put my hand out, but I'm going to bow too. I don't, want to show, I don't want to show disrespect if I understand that's how they greet other people and show respect. So I tried to fit in. You know, I remember going to Israel and no one wears ties in Israel because it's so hot. And that, I think you gave up ties before anybody else did just because of the weather. Uh.
0: I'm sitting next to a drawer of a hundred ties that my husband has and he never wears them. <laughs> Ever since he
1: moved to Israel, he, he just kept them in a drawer?
0: <laughs> Nobody wears ties. You Nobody wears ties hair. there.
1: Yeah. I know. I don't wear <laughs> ties really anymore, except if I'm going to a benefit or something.
0: That is uh, so funny.
1: Yeah. And I kind of like ties, although the idea of having suits, you know, suits are nice, but... Well, now everybody's working from home.
0: We are really in a new and unique emerging culture. So I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? It is
1: definitely tough. Uh, I guess the the biggest question that people have for me is really how to behave on a video conference. I posted something the other day just because I noticed what I, I, these are my readers, my reading glasses, which I have to use when I'm on my computer. But you can probably see now, you can see the reflection. In you know, in, in here. But if I'm looking here really closely to you, you might be able to see what else I have on my computer, right? Oh, that's <laughs> I mean, interesting. You can't really because there's nothing on. I only have you in front of there. Do you see yourself there? I can uh, see, see your...
0: myself. Yeah, that's you can see yourself so in my glasses. So,
1: so I did something. I just did a little picture of make sure that your other windows are closed when you're wearing glasses on a video conference because you don't want people. So I, I found a, a website that was like, uh, you know, It it was called like vile things to say or with pictures of inappropriate. So listen, I don't want to know what people are looking at, but the thing about video conferencing too, which is better than just an audio conference is that you can't fake. I'm surfing the web in the background, right? You really try to do as much eye contact as you can and engage people. And that's another thing is it's important if you're leading a call to call people's names, Tell people's names out, so we know that everybody's participating and everybody's listening. In a Zoom conference, when you're not speaking, your picture, if you're on, if you're on video, it gets very small, so I can't necessarily see what you're saying. But that'll call you out. Well, what do you What did you say? And then I have to look right up at the camera to see you. Otherwise it's, it's very hard. I, I don't know anybody's business who has not been hit and or affected in a negative way because of the coronavirus. It's we're in a, in an environment that certainly I've never seen in my lifetime. And it's interesting for my, you know, for our generations that we've had to live through nine 11 and the coronavirus, which are two major historical events that affected the economy and the mindset of the world. So let's hope that's the end of this. Let's hope that there's no more. Well, we can't hope. We can't. We can't know anything, can we?
0: No, I, I I hope for the best, and I think that with any change, there can be turmoil in the interim period, mm-hmm. right? Anything new. That, the thing that's
1: hard. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm steering away from your questions about business, but I read an article today that what's different about this crisis versus nine eleven is that nine eleven, you we needed to be with other people and it was okay to reach out and to be with family and friends to, for that closeness. And here when we need it most, we can't do it. And I just emailed some friends this morning and I said, can we have a a FaceTime cocktail party just, just for we can, we can catch up because friends and and loved ones mean a lot to you. And if you can't have the closeness, don't give it up. Don't give it up because it's very lonely.
0: Reach out to people, reach yeah. out to people, connect. And when we connect online with our family and when we reach out and connect with friends and do so by way of conversations, I'm curious if you have any tips or insights for how to, how to connect in, in particularly stressful times. <laughs>
1: I'm going to, along with the listening skills, which I I think is something that I, I've mentioned several times, and it's something that people have to work at very hard. The other thing is don't let, don't let things stay with you. I, I, I'm a fan of getting your messages out if you're annoyed about something. I have a whole section of my book about difficult people, and There are certain, if they're they're difficult people who you know they're going to be difficult and everybody knows they're difficult and they, you you just have to feel, all right, I'm going to pick my battles on this one. If this guy says, I only like things in red pen and, you know, if you're going to write a note to me, it has to be in red pen or it has to be in this type of format. And that's all there I want to to do it. You want to say, What an idiot. Why do I, I don't have a red pen and I don't only like what's wrong with the format that I deliver things, but sometimes you have to say, okay, fine. It's not worth screaming about or, or arguing about, but if somebody does something to you, maybe steals your idea, I just don't think that's fair. And I, why should you let that stay with you without saying something? And it, just because one person is sneaky doesn't mean you have to be sneaky back. Why can't you confront someone? And there's a thing that I call a message of three parts. The first thing is you have to, when you confront the person, you have to address the actual issue, the facts. What happened? Ozzy, when you came in and took my blue scarf the other day, okay, you can't deny it because I saw you doing it and you were wearing it later. So I I can't deny that. Just if you, difference between stop stealing my stuff. Right, because that's different. That's accusing you. And you would say, it's like, I did not steal my stop being a thief. Well, put someone on the defensive, you're naming me as something. But when I say, Ozzy, when you came in the other day and took my blue scarf, okay, the next thing that's part one is what you did. Part two is how did that make you feel? So I cannot deny you, Ozzy, cannot deny that you took the the blue scarf. And it sounds very different. You cannot. yeah. Yeah, you cannot deny how I feel. If I said I felt very hurt or I felt very upset, or I felt very cold, or I felt that I couldn't trust you. Now, you can't deny how I felt because I'm telling you how I felt. So the first things are, it puts me on, it's based on fact. Rather than using adjectives, when you took my blue scarf the other day, I was really hurt because I've always trusted you with things. And I, in the future, if you're going to take something, please leave me a note because I was caught going to a meeting outside when it was cold and I didn't have my scarf. So I just wanted to tell you how I felt.
0: And that sounds a lot different to me than you're accusing me of stealing something. Did you take my stuff? Did you
1: take my stuff? Where's my, or just, where's my scarf? Where's my scarf? Did you take my scarf? Who took my scarf?
0: It it sounds very different, very different. And I think that I could see that that would lead to a much smoother conversation. It's not going to be Stating pleasant and facts. people
1: hate doing that, but I'm just trying to operate in a world of grace and things, crummy things happen, but let's clear the air. And let's clear the air by talking about facts and how it made you feel.
0: So number one Listen, is state the facts. Number two yeah. is how it made you feel. And then there's a exactly. the third
1: part. Well, the third part is the resolution. Okay. The resolution and what we should learn from that. So when mm-hmm. you stole my star, when you stole my star, when you took my blue scarf the other day, I was very hurt. Because I didn't have, uh, I didn't know where it was and I felt I couldn't trust you. So in the future, if you're going to take anything of mine, please just let me know or ask. So I'll be prepared. So I'm not turning it into you thief. I hate you. You're turning, I'm just focusing on this specific thing, this specific issue. Don't take my stuff unless you ask for it
0: there's a resolution and then you're requesting of me that in the future I change yeah. my ways, exactly. which is very productive. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense.
1: Right. So in case when somebody steals your idea, I can't say stop stealing my ideas. You're, a, you're an idea thief. You'd say the other day when we were in the meeting and you presented it, that information and said, that was my idea. I was very insulted. Okay. I can't deny that or I to make it better. Here's the slide that you presented to everyone with your name on it, or exactly what you said was this and you didn't mention that I had to deal with that. And then the resolution is I felt very hurt because I'd worked very hard on it. And I thought it was not fair of you to take credit for the work that I had done in the future. Please make sure that you credit me and I would greatly appreciate your telling everyone else at this point, that it wasn't all your idea. Clear. Right. I'm not putting you on the defensive unless it was something fuzzy. It's like, I heard you've been, you've been speaking about saying it's your idea. You have to have a fact rather than, than just accusing.
0: State the facts. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So your book is full of wisdom for people of all ages. And I would love if you could tell our listeners where they can find, find the book and, and you and your work. I know you also do all sorts of consulting.
1: I do. My my book is called it's a mouthful, but it's called Flip Flops and Microwaved Fish Navigating the Do's and Don'ts of Workplace Culture. It I'll give you a little history of that. My website, I mean I have a I have several websites and the best way to find me is to go to my my name peteryawitz.com that's the best way to find me and to reach me but I have the website that this book came from was a website which is under peteryawitz.com called uh, advice from someone else's dad or else's dad.com all my social media handles are at someone else's dad so when I brought this uh, idea to a publisher they loved the idea and we were still calling it advice from someone else's dad but they wanted it to be a little bit more specific uh, because it's really na- navigating the do's and don'ts of workplace culture. And they came up with flip-flops and microwave fish really pulled from my book in very obscure places. And the the issues are people que- question, can I wear flip-flops to work? And right now, if you're working from home, you can wear whatever you want to work. If you're a lifeguard, wear flip-flops to work. If you work for a startup, wear flip-flops to work. But I know that if you're working for a more of a state old fashioned company, I would say no, because that's the first thing they will notice about you, and it's going to take you a while to diffuse anyone's feelings about you. And the thing about the microwave fish is apparently it's a thing when you have a shared office kitchen. If you microwave fish, it's the number one thing that people complain about because it stinks up the kitchen for a while. So they chose that, and my, Philip loves of microwave fish. So you can buy the book on Amazon. You can buy the the ebook as well on Amazon or bn.com, barnesnoble.com, which named it one of its top independent books of the year. I'm so sad that many of these independent bookstores are, are struggling because of the virus. I was scheduled to speak at several of them and, and encourage them to buy them. And I, you know, hopefully, we're going to be doing some virtual meetings, virtual book talks. And I'll certainly put those on my website if they, they do come up. But certainly, the easiest way to go is to through Amazon.
0: That sounds great. Well, it was such a pleasure meeting you. And, and- same here, Ozzy. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I I love your podcast, and I thank you for having me. It's been an honor.
0: Incredible. Thank you for being here, and thank you for tuning in, and thank you for being a part of this community. It is a joy to be on this journey with you. And I want you to stay connected. Let me know what's happening in your world. I'd love to hear from you wherever in the world you are, And let us know what's going on in your community, and your country, what's helping you, and also what's not helping you. You know, I asked this question on social media the other day, and it's fascinating to see that what is helpful to one person can be completely unhelpful to someone else. And the overall takeaway that I have for you about that is that, We all share so many common experiences, we share the human experience, but you are a unique individual and if there has ever been a time to tune in to what works for you and what you need in order to feel energized and feel your best in this world and feel purpose and be as useful as you can be because ultimately that's where our happiness comes from. We wanna serve, we wanna be useful, we wanna help other people and Whatever you can do right now to become aware of that, without any judgment, without any judgment, and with so much compassion. And um, you know, I I'm looking around me and I'm seeing some of the most thoughtful people struggle in this time. It's it's hard for everyone. It's hard for everyone in different ways. But I think if we can all look within and just see if there's anything we can do. Call someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Call a family member. Think of someone who might be lonely. Send someone a delivery. Send a smile to a stranger. Post something funny on social media. Organize a meetup online. I'm sure there are so many others that y'all can think of and I'd love to hear those from you. And I want to give you a preview of what's coming on the show because my guests have been so helpful to me. Their advice has been so helpful. I think that's another thing we can do to help ourselves really is to keep learning, keep learning, and then sharing our learning. So the upcoming episodes that we have in the pipeline for next week include Rabbi Benzion Klatzko, and he is an international manager of Olami. And Olami is a Jewish organization. And Rabbi Kletzko is also the founder of the largest Jewish social media platform in the world. It's called Shabbat.com. And whether you are Jewish or any other religion or you don't identify as religious, what's so fascinating about Rabbi Kletzko's app is that his app and website is that it connects people who do not know each other to convene in one another's homes for meals and it's it's just this phenomenon of hospitality that exists in certain Jewish communities that is mind-blowing when I saw it for the first time. I mean, I couldn't believe that people who'd never met one another were opening their homes, hosting guests for meals, hosting guests to sleep. It's it's otherworldly, but it is the way we can live. You know, I think that years ago when Airbnb first um first came out, the Airbnb service and website People questioned, like, why would anyone open up their home for strangers? But we see it worked. It's working. And once we get to know each other, really, there are no strangers. So, Rabbi Klatsko is a shining example of the way that we can all connect and communicate in this world. And his advice, my friends, was so incredible. It was so inspiring. We talked about how to get along better with the people who live in your house. If you live with other people, if you're married, if you have kids, his advice was otherworldly. He has 11 kids and he has grandkids and he told me that he talks to every single one of his kids every day. So his advice was incredible. It inspired me to be a better mom and wife and and really connect with people in my life. So stay tuned for that one. And then we also have an episode with Rabbi Dr. Abraham Torsky and Rabbi Torsky is the author of 80 books now, and he shared with me in his interview that he really wrote one book. He says he wrote one book, and it's all about self-esteem because in his experience of treating thousands of addicts over the many years of his career as a psychiatrist, he explained that self-doubt is the most powerful force keeping people back from living what he believes is a spiritual life. And we're going to get into all of that and more. And it's a powerful message that we can all take away. I think everyone deals with self-doubt. And in his perspective as a religious leader, he says, this is really, this is the evil inclination that's trying to make us unhappy and is trying to plague us with self-doubt. And we have to do everything we can to believe in ourselves to create an environment of people around us to support us to believe in ourselves. And you know, it's funny, I studied belief when I was getting my doctorate in education, and I looked at the way that when teachers believe in their students, the students achieve and accomplish, and the students operate at a totally different level. And you know, it's not only true in the classroom, it's true in a family, it's true with friends, it's true with clients, it's true with strangers, it's true with everyone if we can look at the people in our lives and we can believe in them, we can see that light point inside of them and we can see that their current situation is not their destination and we can affirm our belief in them, this is huge, this is huge and it actually activates a different part of our brain. It's activating the part of our brain that is creative, that is optimistic, that is hopeful, and it really moves us out of fear. So I tell everyone that I believe in people for a living. And it's true. I run mastermind coaching groups. I do some one-on-one coaching, but I'm really into the masterminds. And I'll tell you, it's because not only do I have an opportunity to believe in people, but I see that my group members have an opportunity to affirm their belief in one another. And they make relationships that are so incredible because they're based on helping one another and those turn into friendships and i believe that those are friendships that can last a lifetime so stay tuned i'm going to be opening another mastermind soon i open my masterminds once per quarter and that's happening soon stay tuned hop on over to my website it's drazi.co that's i.co D-R-A-Z-I and you can let me know that you're interested There's a short form to fill out on the email. You just enter your email and I'll update you with details on the mastermind. And you'll also get my weekly two minutes of inspiration. So with nothing further, I hope you all have a peaceful weekend. I hope you stay healthy. If you are not feeling well, I want to wish you and all of those who are under the weather a really speedy, Recovery. My guest, Rabbi Klatsko, actually was sick uh, with corona. He said his whole family has it. He's in New York, and New York has been so terribly affected. So I want to wish them a speedy recovery and everything good in your life. You know, use this as an opportunity as much as you can. And I also want to remind you to focus on your good points, where you're putting in the effort in your life. You know, I think it's easy to feel bad about ourselves when we're stuck at home and we're not accomplishing the way that we're used to accomplishing but i think that we can just really begin to look through a different lens maybe we're learning how to adjust that in itself is an accomplishment maybe we're trying to communicate harder maybe we're noticing things about ourselves all of those are steps forward so i want to affirm you and acknowledge you and validate you that this change and this transition can be challenging but we're going through it together and we can do this. You have done hard things and you have prevailed. So my friends, love and blessings, wherever you are in the world, you are in my heart. And thank you for being here. Stay tuned. I will see you next week.